0: Social Conversations. Our A team guest is Oswald Kayla, Head of Short Term Insurance at Momentum. Thank you very much for joining us, Oswald.
1: Hi, Patricia, and all the SAFM listeners. Uh, it's absolutely a privilege to spend time with you guys tonight.
0: Well, thank you very much for joining us because this is a very critical conversation. Uh, load shedding is Indeed. not easy on any of us. And most of our listeners, our A-teamers, are worried that uh, you know insurance companies... Uh, I'm not really being explicit about how they will cover certain issues, especially now around load shedding period and the impacts that it's having on um, various aspects. So you deal mainly with uh, short-term insurance at Momentum. Can you tell us um, what your response is towards load shedding?
1: So patricia it's a good question and i'd like to add to what you were saying that we are living in interesting times Um, at consult uh, we are an independent financial services uh, business that's wholly owned by the momentum group as you quite rightly mentioned Uh, we see it um, that the right financial advice ultimately will lead our clients into a position where they feel comfortable about their insurance policies Um, and i think really it's about partnering with the right people so that you know that what you've got on your insurance policy is something that's that's clear, it's transparent, and that it works for you. I think that's the golden word, really. Make sure your insurance cover works for you because there's lots of options out there. I don't think that we are completely left um, on our own out there. Uh, there is definitely insurance companies that have responded, which many of them have. Um, but it's also important that one understands the difference between load shedding, and what we call power surges because there's, I I think personally that's where people really get uncomfortable with insurance companies because you typically run towards your TV, make sure that it's still working directly after load shedding um, and then you realize something is not working and immediately you hope that your insurance company will pay for it. So it's important that we understand the difference and I mean, just quickly, load shedding is when the government controls restrictions of electricity flowing to our houses but obviously after that, that's where the insurance companies comes in and that is when a power surge occurs or a dip in power which then ultimately affects the functioning of your electronic devices and for that some insurance companies actually do cover you so load shedding on its own no cover power surges however definitely cover
0: all right now especially for those who've got security uh, systems in their homes I worry about them. Um, The backup batteries can't be that long on uh, the beams around their homes or in their businesses. Um, And and even the the panic buttons might not work. So this is the one thing that load shedding is impacting. How does Mm -hmm. this then get covered if someone gets a break in?
1: So, Patricia, it's a good question, and I think it's important that we look at what most South African companies would do. Uh, I think that every company have their own rights to apply their policy wording um, in each c- circumstance, but I'd like to believe, given my understanding of how the insurance companies look at these things, they truly look at it at a merit perspective. What was the the, the mitigating circumstances around a claim? Did the client actually try and do what we call due diligence, so that the client from their side, apply due care, and try and actually make sure that those devices are in working order, try and install uninterrupted power supplies, and ensure that those items are working. Obviously, if you're going through a four-hour period, as, we, as we've as we experienced with load shedding stage six, then yes, certainly, some of those devices would fail, and you, you will find yourself exposed. But I'd like to believe, again, that insurance companies would look at the merit of the case, look at how you've reacted to it, to try and mitigate the losses for them and therefore they would honor your policy for a theft claim.
0: So how, what is it that we as consumers should be looking at uh, when you say we must also do our due diligence? What is our responsibility?
1: as I said at the beginning, I think it starts with making making sure that your insurance policy actually aligns to what's important for you. So I think the first point is, is that we all should just make sure that we are properly insured so that our sum insured and the value that we are insured for that those things aligns with exactly what's in our houses. I think that's the first point. And the second point is, is that we ensure that we actually have cover for something like a power surge. Now, at Consult, what we do is we typically look at the different insurance companies that offer power surge protection and the limits of those power surges. Because it's one thing, to say that you've got power surge protection cover on your insurance policy. It's a completely different thing to know that there's maybe a limit to it or there's maybe a first amount payable as we refer in the industry an excess that the client needs to pay. Now, if we move away from the insurance policy and we're more focused towards what a client can do in their own capacity at their houses, let's assume for a second you don't have an uh, insurance policy and you just want to protect yourself. I think, as I've mentioned before, make sure that, that that you have an uninterrupted power supply at home if you can install that. If you can go to power solar energy rather, then go ahead and install those items. And and if you can get a generator, I know they're noisy and they're not maybe the ideal thing to install, but all those things can, can give you continuous power Unfortunately, one thing that people tend to forget when they go for these options is to make sure that you've got a professional installing those devices because that could lead to other problems in your insurance policy. Other than that, uh, Patricia, I think it's it's really a case of trying to make sure that the the basic things that's all over the internet at this point in time, charge your phone beforehand, make sure you've got emergency numbers at hand, try and unplug your devices so that you don't have unnecessary claims because we all know more claims will lead to possible renewal increases in your premium um, because the insurance company companies have to mitigate the losses on their side.
0: It's it's a lot that we need to consider. And how can we, um, you know, or should we be going back to our brokers or even our insurance mm-hmm. companies to just have an outline of what our our, our, our policy documents say uh, when it comes to load shading versus power
1: surges? Patricia, what's interesting is, is that I think a lot of industries have reacted in the way to try and help the south african public um and i think the insurance companies are no different in that that we, the insurance policies have become a lot more transparent in terms of what is covered and what is not covered. You're getting a lot of marketing content at the moment being shared around tips for load shedding and look out for this on your insurance policy. And I also like to believe if, you, if, you, if we look at the fact that about a year ago, um, insurance companies were still a bit vague around when will they cover you and when not. We, we've seen them coming out to market and being very precise in terms of we do cover you or we don't cover you and if we cover you, this is the amount we'll cover you for. And then on top of that, if you want to have uh, the ability to lower those costs, then there can be things that you can do from your side to, to let's call it, manage that premium. Um, ultimately, to manage that premium, you're talking to things like, for instance, having a, 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 a what we call a surge protection item installed on the adapter itself in your house or at the, the, the DB board. Uh, but again, if we do those type of things, make sure you get a COC that it's approved by someone.
0: Now, Oswald, when it comes to insurance, uh, there's a lot of uh, people who are asking do insurance companies uh, um, cover b- homes in uh, townships?
1: Patricia, are you referring to these around load shedding specifically, or no, are no, you no. more referring to just in general?
0: In general, are houses in townships covered? <laughs>
1: Patricia, there's some insurance companies in South Africa that do go the route of covering clients in that area, uh, and there's others that that unfortunately don't. I think it comes down to whether they've got a general exclusion in their policies that says that the house needs to be built in accordance with public authorities. Uh, that's normally the general rule. But as I said, um, insurance companies look at the risk of a specific area, and if the area for them is something that they can handle in terms of appetite, they'll definitely insure it. And we've seen South African insurance companies, again, really coming into that space and saying, but we are willing to. I think uh, there's a quote of some of the actuarial guys that they that they like to share to say that uh, there's any risk that we can that we can cover. It just depends on the price of that risk. <laughs> so I think that we are... we've. I, I don't think in South Africa you can be too strict in terms of what you're willing to cover and not. We're a very dynamic nation.
0: So in our us being dynamic, can I mm-hmm. safely assume that if a house in a township is being covered in general, uh, then the mm-hmm. premiums are high? Because I know with car insurance, that's what happens, that premiums are much higher for people who live in townships as opposed to people who live in uh, suburban uh, areas.
1: So, Patricia, I'm not a qualified actuary to to comment on the exact figures of that. But what I can tell you is, is that it's not only focused on the area that you stay in. I mean, the average factor taken into account by the, by the actuarial community in South Africa is anything between 30 and 50 personal lines factors. So that's anything from sta- where you're staying to the sum insured, meaning the value of the property that you've got, the construction of the building itself, the surrounding areas, the theft or the claims in that area, so the historical data, um, the traffic in that area up and down. So there's there's so many. Also, the security devices that you have, have, do you, have you implemented mitigating things? And I think the the, the real message that I want to bring across, seeing that you've asked the question is, is that South Africa has evolved back from, I believe, 1998, with some insurance companies moving towards what we call scientific underwriting. And therefore, they've actually considered the difference between one guy staying at an address, let's call it A, down the road, and you staying down the same road in B. The properties are in exactly the same area but because the one guy has actually implemented security devices at his premises he's got a few dogs running around and he has had a very good claims insurance history he'll be the ideal client and his premium is going to show that where in the past south africa worked on a percentage based thing regardless of where you stay and who you are it would have just been a blanket based approach so yes then maybe your opinion around certain areas would have been different But because of scientific underwriting, you have the ability to stay exactly next to someone else and actually manage your premium better than the person next to you.
0: Mm, All right. Very interesting. Let's go back to this load shedding and uh, (laughs) um, insurance claims. Uh, Do you have tips for us as consumers and businesses, maybe uh, for the household and businesses, separate tips um, so that we can protect our assets and belongings during power outages?
1: So some tips that that is easily available for all South Africans is really to consider using, as I've mentioned before, the surge the protection devices that can either be installed on an adapter of a device or on your DB boards that protects the whole environment. But again, as I've mentioned earlier, whatever you do, obviously not the adapter, but when it comes to your DB boards, make sure that you've got a professional that installs that and you get a COC certificate. Um, then from a, from just checking your alarm's condition, make sure that you do have backup battery. Make sure that your alarm is in working condition, um, obviously for the case that if there an event that where a claim occurred and it's within a, let's call it a non-load shedding period that you that you can fall back on policy wording to say that the device was in working order invest in solar lightning or have a good old flash light around the house so that you can at least point some way to, to give light to yourself while walking around to 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 obviously just scan the environment if something should happen um i believe in making sure that you've got your electronic devices charged, your cell phones are ready, you've got emergency numbers um, readily available if that is if that is, if ever that is needed. Um, and then an easy one, if you don't wanna be spending money, um, from a power surge protection perspective, just go and unplug those devices from the wall. Um, some people say that you can just switch them off and you should be fine on those things. I know it's a bit of an inconvenience to get up in the early morning hours to do that, but those are the things that you can do. From a business perspective, it is difficult. I think our business environment really finds themselves in a difficult space to navigate, especially our smaller, medium enterprises, your your small restaurants, your small shops. Uh, I think what my suggestion to them would be to to see whether, from a cost perspective, see whether you can share a generator amongst a few people in an area if it's close proximity. From a cost perspective, you could also consider buying your stock in smaller portions so that you don't have an, a, a significant a significant amount of stock that can deteriorate deteriorate over time, especially if there's a, a, four, a, a load shedding six with a four hour period. And then other things that that I've dotted down personally that I believe in is is try and get an an uninterrupted power supply, especially at your businesses. Now, one of the best ones probably out there is the long-run UPSs because they use Lion batteries, and that's probably going to be better for the the businesses. And the most important reason why I say that's better is because of the data that you need to back up of your clients. You can either store it up in a cloud, but if something had to happen immediately and we lose power, that you can go back onto those alternative power solutions to help
0: Excellent, and uh, how do we get in touch with you Oswald?
1: So, Consult is available uh, as a financial advisory business across the country. We've got 300-plus short-term insurance financial advisors and retail advisors that specialize in holistic financial planning. We are available online. We are available over social media. And uh, you can reach out to any of our guys in the region um, that can assist you with, as I've mentioned, any of our financial products, which short-term insurance is one of them. Excellent. And we'll really appreciate engaging with you guys.
0: Thank you very much for joining us, Oswald.
1: It's a pleasure, Patricia. Have a lovely evening to all your listeners.
0: You are listening to Late Night Conversations on the Station of the Year.